This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the Go 24-7 podcast. Thanks for listening. I'm Billy Ambody. We are all back from our uh, respective vacation time, and boy, did we hit the ground running with SEC Media Days, a big commitment for the Tigers, uh, and really a big start to July in recruiting for LSU. And with me is Sonny Ship. We're going to talk about Trevante Citizen, the four-star running back, committing to LSU later this week because the new rankings are also out. But we wanted to lead off the week with takeaways from LSU's day in Hoover. Uh, I was on the ground. We were all watching uh, Ed Ogeron, Austin Deculus, and Derek Stingley Jr. take center stage. Uh, four SEC media days. And Sonny, I think I want to lead off with Austin Deculus. You and I were talking about this before we recorded. And there is, I think, a lot more confidence in the offensive line in a way after this media day, just because you look at the work that Austin Deculus has done over the course of his career to get down from 355 to 320. Uh, he's one of the leaders on this offensive line. Uh, he talked up Brad Davis uh, when we had our kind of one-on-one time with him and talked up really the work of the entire offensive line. There wasn't much to go off of at SEC Media Days, but I think the big takeaway for me was just how I think much confidence Austin Deculus had in that entire group to kind of bounce back even without Dare Rosenthal. Yeah, I, I think, you know, in kind of hitting SEC Media Days overall, Man, I don't, and, and I think you feel the same way, but I hate to put words in your mouth. But was that one of the more uneventful SEC media days uh, we've seen from an LSU perspective? And the reason I say that is, is it's not a knock on Ed Orgeron, but because Ed Orgeron makes himself so available to the media throughout the summer and basically throughout the year. I mean, he goes on 104.5 every Tuesday morning. And so there's really not much that he could talk about when he spends 15 minutes on the radio every week that he hasn't already covered, uh, you know, once he gets to Hoover. So I was, I, I was kind of, uh, you know, I, I don't want to say I was kind of bored, but there really just wasn't much at all that came out from Coach O um, at media days that we really didn't already know. I mean, did you, did you kind of have that? take two no i thought you nailed it and and you know there was you know i got i asked him about recruiting and and there's you know some stuff uh, on that front we're going to talk about in a bit but you know overall it was kind of a nothing burger you know he ran down uh you know the changes he made uh to the staff made um you know some comments on the quarterback competition and how it's going to play out but overall it was pretty you know ho-hum like you said he goes on the radio every week uh, a lot of the topics have been covered there really wasn't any surprises out of LSU um, from SEC media days. Even Derek Stingley Jr. was finally asked, you know, himself about uh, how uh, how playing wide receiver could go. But uh, instead, um, you know, he just got, said that's going to be a Coach O thing and, and we'll see how it plays out. So, um, you know, for LSU, it was pretty quiet. But, yeah, I thought, you know, I got to talk with Austin Deculus for almost 20 minutes. 
uh, up in kind of the quote unquote green room before he went into the main room. Um, and he really talked up a lot of the young offensive linemen. Uh, Garrett Dellinger uh, was somebody that he really talked up and Ed Ogeron has as well. It seems like, you know, even though Dare Rosenthal is a big loss, like I, I think that's, you know, goes without saying that's your left tackle, even as kind of unreliable he was to be in the lineup. Um, he feels like this group is going to be in a way better prepared. I think just kind of reading between the lines, it seems like Brad Davis just demands a whole nother level out of that group. Yeah. And I, th- I, th- I think you touched on something that's really, that, that's really important while Bill and, and that is, you know, how how unreliable, you know, Dare Rosenthal has been, uh, you know, even in the 2019 season, you know, when 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 Sadiq Charles, they kind of had to offset those two uh, those two suspensions, you know, from who would miss games, who would not. And then, of course, we you know, we, we, we've heard this with Dare throughout his throughout his career. And so that kind of makes me wonder, like, OK, now, you know, you got a guy Cam Wire projected to start at left tackle a guy that from everything that we know has never dealt with any, um, you know, any disciplinary situations, hasn't been suspended, you know, hasn't, you know, is kind of a quiet, low key guy. And you, it makes me wonder that, okay, if Cam wire is going to be your starting left tackle, does that give the offensive line a little more, you know, a little more stability and a little more confidence in that now they know who, assuming that he can man the job and keep, you know, keep all the uh, reserves from taking his spot. Can, you know, does that lend a little more um, stability to this group? You know, you always talk here, offensive linemen talk about how important it is to have continuity with the guy playing next to you. You know, you want to be in lockstep with that guy. Well, how hard, you know, I wonder how hard that has been, uh, you know, when you've got a guy who's missing four games, who's missing five games, who's missing six games. And, and so that's going to be interesting for me to see, like, how the offensive line, you know, how they deal with that. And, and don't get me wrong, you know, Darrell Rosenthal is a guy that if he puts everything together with his, you know, with, with his, with his skill set, with his physical traits, you know, he's a guy that he's a guy that we could see, you know, that we could see possibly on day two of the NFL draft. If he has a, you know, if he has a big year up at Kentucky, but um, you know, I'm just anxious to see that. I'm anxious to see if they establish a little more con- continuity knowing now that, you know, if, if the guy next to you gets the job done, he's going to be next to you for 12 games. Whereas with Rosenthal, it kind of makes us wonder, you know, if that would have been the case. I totally agree on that front. And I think Cam is somebody that has continued to come along. You know, we saw him in spurts play really well in in those spot, in that spot duty, that spot starting duty last year. And uh, he stepped in in some big situations. So, you know, I do think that it's it, it's a it's a it's a position, especially at left tackle that, you know, maybe LSU does miss Dare Rosenthal on the other side. If Cam Wire continues to develop the way you think he can he's got that that athletic profile to do that he could be you know one of the surprises on that entire group um overall it just seems like this group has bought in a little bit more brad davis being a little bit more of a disciplinarian ed ogeron's mentioned that in the in the past maybe that's kind of the kick, kick in the tail that they need and um you know with a full off season too and one you know that's kind of back to normal you know working with tommy moffitt just seems like that group's going to have the chance to you know take some steps forward this year. They're going to have to in front of whoever uh, is playing quarterback uh, for him. It seems like Max Johnson might have the upper hand right now, just kind of reading between the lines, at least in my book. 
Um, but I was talking with, you know, Austin Deculus. I said, is there more pressure on you to, you know, block better, uh, you know, just to simplify it when Max Johnson is in there, he said, you know what, you know, I, I read Twitter. If I don't block, if I don't get my job done, not only am I going to be benched, I'm going to catch the wrath of, of people online. So, you know, for me, it's just doing my job. And that's kind of the mindset that the entire offensive line has taken. Yeah. And, and I think when, you know, and, and I think Deculus, you know, first, first off, I think Deculus being a representative there in Hoover, I, I think that speaks volumes to to the leadership role that he has kind of taken on now. You know, we're talking about a guy who's who's going to be a four year starter in the SEC at right tackle. You know, now granted, you know, granted, you know, taking advantage of the extra year comes into play, but man, it, you know, he's 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 going to barring injury, he'll break the record for playing the most games in his career, um, and and probably you know. If, uh, you know, depending on how many games LSU plays, if LSU played 15 games in 2021 and he started all of them, he may even have the record for the most starts in his career. We'd have to look at that. But, you know, I, I, I'm i pretty excited about the offensive line. You know, you've got everybody back, even with Cam Wire now. You've got, you've got five guys who all have, you know, significant starting experience from last year. You've got all of those guys back. We've seen them over the summer. We saw them when we went up for the camps and stuff in June. We've talked to sources. We've heard the same thing that it looks like the guys are getting it. You know, uh, when I was there, when I when I was there at the first camp in June, I talked to a lot of players and I asked them. I was like, look, you know, does it look like the uh, you know does it look like the guys in the trenches have kind of bought in? Um, you know, I, I mentioned the fact that hey, you know, I, you, you can't even look me. <laughs> I told one guy, I said, look, you can't even look me in the eye and tell me that most of those guys weren't out of shape last year. So don't get offended when I ask you this. And they laughed, but all of the offensive linemen seem to have bought in and seem to realize that look, you know, last year they all had too much gut. I, I I was even talking to one coach, and one coach said that half of them looked like they were in their third trimester. <laughs> I couldn't stop laughing about that one, but I think that shows you, you know, how they bought in. You know, Deculus come Deculus at three twenty, down thirty five pounds from when he got here and stuff. But to me, he looks more toned. He looks uh, he looks more he looks better put together than he did last year, and I from the guys that I saw, I kind of will go across the line and really all of them do. All of them looked, uh, you know, looked better. All of them looked better, uh, put together a little more, a little more tone and just look like they, uh, you know, when you look at them and stuff, you're not going to look at them and say, man, those guys look out of shape. I think now this year, when people look at them, I think people are going to say, okay, that looks like an SEC offensive line right there. So it's going to be interesting to see how that translates onto the field. Cause I mean, you know, the offensive line, let's face it. I mean, last year you were 10th in the 10th in the SEC and sacks allowed at two and a half a game. You were 12th in the SEC in rushing. Uh, at 121 yards a game, which puts you 109th in the country. I mean, those those are numbers that you absolutely have to improve on if you want to have a chance to, you know, to to reach double-digit wins in 2021. And I think those guys realized it, and, and I think they kind of uh, – that Ed Orgeron put them to the fire and put them to the task. And I think, I think, you know, from everything that I've seen so far and heard is that they've taken up on that and they've really put the, uh, put the offseason to good use. Completely agree. And one player that has also put the offseason in good use, and we spoke with him as well as Derek Singley Jr. And the takeaway from me, you know, b- both of us, all three of us here at Go 24-7 have known Derek forever now, it seems like. And he just really 
told us like how much he's worked on the mental side of things. And last year was a really difficult year for him. He played through a lot of injuries, um, really, you know, had to be, uh, you know, just mentally strong to get through that. And and now he's 100% healthy. He's ready to play out his final season at LSU, wearing number seven, all, preseason All-American, doing all the things that we expect him to do. You know, he's somebody that is going to be, uh, I think, one of the best players in college football because of that. But the mental aspect is something that he has really worked on. He's done a lot of reading. He's done a lot of, um, you know, uh, talks with different people, trying to get a better handle on the mental side of the game. And I think not only will that help him this year, but it'll help him when he does go on and become a you know NFL draft pick and a very high one at that. Yeah, and you and you touched on something that I think is so that is so huge and so critical when we think about Derek Stingley last year compared to his freshman season when he was on just about everybody's All America list as a true freshman. The the medical condition that kept him out of the Mississippi State game. I mean, that was a, you know, they, they were they were pretty scared about that. They were pretty scared because not knowing of how that was going to turn out, worried about the test coming back and, and, and everything. And even once he got a go-ahead to get back on the field, you have to think that something like that is probably weighing on a 19-year-old kid. A kid also playing in a first-year offense with Bo, you know, in Bo Pelini's system that it doesn't take a rocket scientist to look at the look at how the players played and realize that they were not on the same page as the coach. And I think we could go across the defense to say that. But I, I think that Derek Stingley Jr.'s sophomore season was probably more mentally tough than the than than the the physical side of of being banged up, just because that's a lot to put on a 19-year-old kid. In. And I could be reading too much into that, but uh, but but that's something that I've that I've thought about and just always wondered, you know, how much of a how much of a toll, how how taxing that could have been that affected his game to where because if you're thinking more, if you got a lot on your mind and you're not out there playing football and you're not reacting, you're gonna play slower. You're gonna be a step slower. And so um, you know, I, I'm ready to see how he comes out this year and if he's just able to put last season in the rearview mirror and get back to that 2019 form. Yeah, I think he he will, and and he just you know, you know, once again takes another step up in maturity in my mind, recognizing those things he needs to work on. Um, but you know, he had a really good day at you know SEC Media Days. You know, there wasn't really too much to ask of Derek Stingley. He's uh, going to leave it up to Ed Ogeron about playing wide receiver. I think he ends up sticking at corner as it stands. But you know, who knows? Maybe we'll see him in some packages. You know, get on the field. But you know, to close out, there was a big recruiting you know, piece of news that came out as that Ojohan was, you know, doing radio row. And um, we didn't see the hold that tiger tweet until right after he got done um, off the podium. And that was Trevante citizen committing to LSU. And we'll talk about that more in the next episode uh, when we go through the rankings and also just kind of what he means for the class. But, you know, I asked Ed Ojohan, I said, this is a stacked year in Louisiana in 2022. And one, you know, what can you speak to the job you guys have done? And then two, is it more competitive than you've ever seen it? And, you know, for lack of a, he didn't come out and say that, but you could tell this is a more competitive year in Louisiana for these top recruits. The staff recognized it and really, you know, has taken it upon themselves to to try to lock down the state. And Ed Ogeron said they feel really good about landing pretty much everyone. He wouldn't promise that they'd get everyone on board. Um, but overall, I mean, 
he he really you know made a statement of, in terms of their confidence level in recruiting the state the rest of the way in 2022. Yeah, and in there was a there was a lot that there was there was a lot that and deservedly so that folks criticized Ed Orgeron uh, for last year. Um, you know he. For lack of a better word, you know, he kind of he kind of put his foot in his mouth several times by things that happen and, you know, uh, the things that happen throughout the year. But the one thing that doesn't seem like it suffered much at all was recruiting. You know, even with, you know, you're, you're three and five going into going into week nine, you're three and five, you know, playing in December. Um, you're getting ready for the early signing period and, you know, they win their last two, but even with, even all the turmoil, look at, look at what they did, how good they finished in that class, another top five class. And then that kind of parlayed over into the 2022 class to where, you know, they never really got behind the eight ball with these guys. You know, you look at Walker Howard, you look at Will Campbell, um, you know, you look at a lot of these guys. And it's almost like even with even even with the season and even with the turmoil kind of kind of surrounding Ed and surrounding the program, recruiting was almost, um, you know, was almost not phased at all. And I think that's a tribute to, to, to Ed in a lot of in a lot of ways, because, you know, Ed does a lot of the lifting when it comes to recruiting. He's not a guy who's going to be heavily involved in the X's and the O's, uh, you know, when when you're when you're when you're game planning and you're scheming against Alabama or Florida or whoever. But when it comes to recruiting, you know, I think he kind of takes a little bit off of his assistance plates when it comes to that, because that is his forte. And I think that allowed that that that's going to allow his assistants to spend more time on the game planning and on the scheming. So, I, you know, I, uh, you know, I tip my hat to Coach O and to the staff for how they never let anything, they never let any of the noise from the outside that he always talks about affect recruiting. I completely agree. And part of that goes to, you know, the way Ed Ogeron's built the program. And I was talking with some of the other media out there, uh, one, just about new hires in uh, across the league at the head coaching position. And, you know, one of them was Shane Beamer, at South Carolina, he was there that same day. And the thing that we kind of talked about, and who knows how Shane Beamer will end up at South Carolina, but the point was made, it's it's not always going to work out with a hot shot coordinator who's called plays, but sometimes those coaches that are really good recruiters, really good you know personalities, uh, organizational managers, things like that, can pan out as head coaches because of that style that they run in terms of their program. And so that was something that was brought up about why Ed Ogeron's been, you know, for the most part successful at LSU, obviously has a national championship that, you know, has that success that, you know, has reached the top of the mountain and everything like that. But just overall, they've been able to turn the program from the kind of downtrodden less miles end to this perennial contender, you know, 2020 was a step back. There were a lot of things that went into that. You know, he touched on Bo Pelini and how it just didn't work out and, you know, the changes he made to get this thing back on track. And that's something that Ed Ogeron has done consistently at LSU is one, had them in contention for the most part in the SEC West. And then on top of that, when something's broken, he's fixed it himself. And that's this offseason is going to be another test of that. The changes that he made, the people he brought in, the transfers they brought in. All of those things are going to either add up to this program getting back 
into that, you know, 10 win right in the mix for the SEC West championship uh, type of season, or, you know, it could not go as hot as, you know, people think. And, you know, that's you know, fair. This is, I've, I've said this on the pod. I think this is a boomer bust type of team, but, you know, Ed Ogeron, the way he's recruited, they've set it up for the most part to be a successful program. And I think that's the, the thing that, you know, we've hung on to in, especially when watching Louisiana is the job they've done. And it starts with the structure that Ed Ogeron has put in place. Yeah. And look, last year, last year, LSU didn't have the Johnnies and the Joes that they needed. You know, um, I didn't, I, I didn't quite, uh, you know, I didn't quite realize that when, you know, when I made my, my predictions on how the season was going to go and stuff, Granted, you know, with the opt-outs, I mean, you you know, we we can we don't have to rehash the opt-outs and, and how much that played into not having the Johnnies and the Joes. But this year, there's no excuse. There's no excuse. Guys have experience. You've got talent across the board. Uh, you know, they they may not have the most experience, but they have enough experience to where there's no excuses this year. There's no excuses. If they go out and if they win, if they only win six games this year, they only win seven games. Barring, um, you know, a just complete meltdown and rash of injuries that just, you know, takes so many key contributors uh, uh, off the field, out of the lineup. If they don't get it done this year, hands down, you point to coaching. I don't think you can point to anything else because, You've got the pieces in place. Now it's just a matter of the coaches getting them to play together, getting them to play up to their potential. And that's where all these new hires come into play because you you got the play, you got the horses now. You know, you didn't have horses all of last year, but you got them now. So now, you know, if you if you don't get it done, you got to look at the man at the top and you gotta say, okay, coach, what now? I completely agree. The SEC West is gonna be like that in a way. It can be all sorts of wild this year, you know, honestly, out outside of Alabama. Alabama's probably going to be right at the top once again. That's uh, almost a sure, safe bet, you know, as much as LSU fans probably hate to hear that. But outside of that, you know, L- shoot, LSU could very well challenge for number one in the SEC West. So could Texas A&M if they figure it out. But LSU is somebody, is, is a school that, talking with a lot of national media, it's not going to surprise me one bit to see them pick number two in the SEC West. You know, I think, like I said, the safe bet is to pick Alabama number one. Um, but from there, you could see Ole Miss end up number two. You know, you could see who knows what Auburn's going to look like. Brian Harson's had a real interesting first offseason there. Arkansas under Sam Pittman is, you know, is, has been a tough out for the most part. It's going to be a wild year in the SEC. And, and that was kind of one of the takeaways, just talking with other media uh, from my day in Hoover. But you know, one thing uh, is for sure, Ed Ogeron has the pieces in place. They've got to play up to their potential. And uh, this was kind of the final kickoff before fall camp gets underway. And so we'll be watching it all on go247.com. You know, fall camp previews are going to start to heat up, position previews. So be sure to check it out with the go247.com subscription. Follow the Go247 podcast now that we're all off vacation. We're ready to roll get podcasts out to you guys as well. So for Sonny Ship, I'm Billy Embody. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Go 24-7 podcast. We'll catch you later this week with more recruiting news as LSU stays hot on the recruiting trail. Hope everybody has a good start to the week, and we'll catch you then. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or... 
I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.